This is the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. I'm your host, Ben Powers. On this podcast, you'll hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, and community influencers who all play a role in moving Lafayette Parish and South Louisiana forward. We have a local entrepreneur turned real estate agent, Michelle Ezel, on in the studio today. So Michelle is a recovering local restaurant owner. Uh, she sold Tsunami after 22 years in business and has pivoted into selling real estate. She has served in many capacities over the course of her professional life, including DDA and DLU board member, uh, chamber board member twice, appointed to city council seat into a special election to fill a seat. And she was also an ACA board member. And she also graduated the Leadership Lafayette Class 21. 21. Yeah. The best class. <laughs> the best. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. And then uh, she was also awarded the James, the title of James Beard Woman, Women Excellent Fellow. Michelle, it is good to have you on Hi. the podcast. How's it going today? It is great. Like you said, it's Friday. It is Friday. It's the best day of the week. Uh I guess I would say in my opinion, but it's, I don't think it's an opinion. Um, so it's yeah, a fact. No, yeah, it's, a it's fact. definitely a fact. So tell me a little bit about yourself and um, are you originally from Lafayette? Or like, are you a Lafayette native? Were you born here? Just kind of give me the rundown of who sure. Michelle Ezel is. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this was going to be a boring <laughs> podcast. It's For not sure. that boring. You want me to Come talk on. about me? No. Just, just, uh, me, Michelle Ezel, um, maiden name Seamal. So yes, very uh, local. Yeah. Uh, born and raised here, sure. I graduated from Acadiana High School. I'm a wrecking ram. And I graduated from USL in 1993. So nice. uh, pre-UL days. Um, and I, um, we, I moved around a little bit. You know, some summers in between college. I, I took some time, lived in New York for a summer, lived in L.A. for a summer. And uh, loved those places. Uh, loved to visit those places. I could probably live there short term. But um, home, home was it, you know. Um, shortly after... After I got married and had our first child, we moved to South Florida for my husband's work. So we lived just north of Fort Lauderdale for two years. Okay. And then um, he actually got transferred back to Lafayette. It, weirdly, it's a national company, and they transferred us back to Lafayette, and we've been here ever since. So I think we've been back 25 years. Wow. Okay. So originally from here, but you lived in New York, L.A., and South Florida, uh, Fort Lauderdale area, almost Miami, correct? It's like pretty close. Yeah, about maybe about three hours from Miami. Yeah, yeah. So not that far. Actually, uh, Vero Beach, which was in the news recently because the, one of those big hurricane storms uh, hit there, so right. that's where we were in Vero Beach. Okay, mm -hmm. so on that on that vein of conversation, like tell me your experience with bigger cities mm -hmm. because New York, LA, like that's like the I don't want to say the gold standard, but when people talk about going to the big city, moving to a bigger city, usually it's Los Angeles, California area, somewhere Atlanta, in New Dallas, York. Yeah, yeah, Atlanta or Austin, mm -hmm. Dallas, I mean, even Seattle, yep. those, those kind of places. What was your experience there as someone, as a native to Louisiana? Did you feel accepted there? Did you feel like you connected there? What, what drew you back, I guess? I was very accepted there. I think um, our our culture here is very friendly, very outgoing, very um, 
let's go, let's have fun. And so that was just my personality. So I made friends easily <laughs> whenever yeah. I was living in, in both of those cities. I was doing an internship. My sister worked in the uh, record industry. And so she worked for Electra Records at the time in New York. So I got to do an internship during college there. And so met a bunch of, you know, fun, great, cool, creative people. Um, it was unpaid. So I had to find <laughs> paid jobs while I was there. So I actually washed hair at a, at a beauty salon which was so cool. So I met really cool, creative people there. And I also worked for the city of Manhattan in their um, summer camp program. And so that's really where I you know, made some, some cool friends because we were all camp counselors for the summer, dragging inner city kids uh, all over to the Bronx Zoo and South Street Seaport and, and that. So um, I, I made friends because I, I went out looking for friends. So yeah. that was my goal. I guess that's the, the, the whole thing. Like if you don't want to get, if you don't want to be connected or accepted, you, right. you know, you won't, you, right. you got to go out there and meet people. Right. How and long? at the time, the drinking age for us was 18 in Louisiana. So oh, wow. I was, uh, <laughs> I was, um, a lot of fun whenever, by the time I got there, because some of you know, they weren't drinking till, well, they were drinking, but it wasn't legal till 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, they, they loved my Southern style very okay. much. So how long did you live in New York? Oh, just a summer. Just a summer. Yeah, it was okay. a summer. It was four months in between Got semesters. Got it. And then Los Angeles. Yeah. So uh, from my, I don't have experience with those cities. Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to visit. But through the the YouTuber world, mm -hmm. I, I follow a couple of people. And one guy in particular, I don't know if you know him, Casey Neistat. No. So he's a big time YouTuber out of New York. Yeah. He was a daily vlogger for a while. Mm -hmm. And you know, he would talk about his experiences in New York and he would do drone flyovers and he was just a really creative person. Okay. Love to watch him. Then, and I, I, I think in COVID he moved to, or like right before COVID, he moved to California, Los Angeles area and stopped vlogging, like kind of changed mm -hmm. kind of his vibe. Mm -hmm. And I was, and the people were kind of confused and like, why is Casey not the same? He doesn't like, is, he's changed. And then recently he moved back to New York because he said that's where he felt like himself. And I guess that's just a thing of, you know, what your home is. But he said Los Angeles is great, but it's different. Sure. Um, when people ask me that, again, I just spent summers there. Yeah. So, um, and I was also young. Um, but the it was the connectivity. In New York, you could be doing absolutely nothing eating ramen once a day, you know, living on $5 a day, but you still, for whatever reason, feel very connected when you're there. You still feel like you're doing something. You're part of something, you know, um, in, in LA, you're a little bit more disconnected. You know, you can't just get seeing people on a, on a regular basis was work. You know, the commute was more and you just didn't okay. run into people on the street. So I think the connectivity is what makes people's feelings of those two markets yeah. different. Uh, real quick, Anita Begnose says, hey, Michelle. What's up, Anita? <laughs> That's my girl. Um, okay, so it's interesting that you say the connectivity. I feel like there's something to be said in the similarity aspect. If there is similarities between Los Angeles and Lafayette, mm -hmm. besides L.A., <laughs> um, is that in Lafayette, you can find yourself in a area where you don't feel as connected or you can find yourself in an area that is, quote unquote, more connected. Okay. So like if you're in the downtown area, you can feel like you're always a part of something. Absolutely. And I'm pretty sure Anita's going to love that. <laughs> yes. Um, that's a fact as well. 
But on the outskirts of, let's say, I say outskirts of downtown, like if you start going out where the urban sprawl starts to happen, mm-hmm. um, there's there's less of that that I guess that energy that that feeling of like things happening around you because I mean Los Angeles it's like you said it's pretty right. spread apart and I think that a lot of Lafayette is that because we are even though we're a small area we were spread out pretty far. Right. right. Well, I think it's happening in pockets here. Um, You know, for a while it was just like the downtown core, you know, this is where all the, you know, it's, there's movement and there's activities and you can walk the streets and you can always find something to do. And then it kind of grew out, you know, then you had Freetown that started having some cool stuff and then blue moon opened and then the warehouse opened. And so now those, that activity starts to kind of move out still pedestrian, you know, um, still lots of movement. And then you'll, then all before you know it, you're all of a sudden connected to the university. So again, more movement, right. more connection. And then with Muncus Park and with the farmer's market, you're like, okay, wait, hold on now. So really it just kind of happens in, in we'll, we can, my husband and I live um, in the St. Street sort of on St. Okay. Mary Boulevard. So we're kind of in between you know, the Muncus Park and, and downtown. And, uh, you know, it's nothing to ride your bike to the farmer's market. It, you know, it's nothing to ride your bike or walk to downtown from, from where we are. So, you know, and then if, and then River Ranch in and of itself is also it? another pocket yeah. that's very moving. You, you know, there's been times where we're having lunch. Uh, you know, my friends and I are having lunch at Roma. And before we know it, it's three o'clock and we're walking to poor for, to meet some other people. Yeah. So it's still very a lot of movement. No, that, that's a good take. It happens in pockets here. Mm-hmm. And I guess, I mean, I guess it could be the same thing could be said for the Los Angeles area. There's probably pockets too. Yeah. But communities. Yeah. yeah. So I think you're right. I mean, with Moncus Park coming up and then it's making a, it's making the connection between Moncus and UL closer mm-hmm. and then the St. Streets area and then downtown, like it's starting to be, I don't know about walkable. But very bikeable. Very bikeable, yeah. We actually biked it in the rain, which was wow, a little... Wow, that's fun. Well, it's not that much fun, but it's, not it's doable. Um, I do wish that Lafayette had a little bit more, you know, biking yeah. and, and walking commuter-friendly we, streets. I think a lot of people want that, mm-hmm. but uh, we're pretty car-heavy. We're Yeah, we're really car-heavy. Maybe not as bad as Houston area or Dallas, right. but we're, we're car-heavy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so... Tell me a little bit about tsunami. How did you get started in tsunami? Uh, did you it was, was it something that you created from your own kind of creation, or did you buy it from somebody and start it? I mean, twenty two years that that's a long time, right? Um, absolutely not. I didn't do it by myself. Um, let's see. At the time, again, I'm going to make an LA reference. My husband and I went to. Um, New Year's Eve party at my sister's house. He was living in LA and she had a big um, um, record label, fun radio people, New Year's Eve party. And at some point we ended up at a sushi bar um, some point that night or the weekend or whatever. And um, it, we were giddy because we were eating sushi and we were over ordering and we, my husband and I just kept talking about it at the table. And so these super creative people at the table were like, calm down, Cajun girl, what's up? <laughs> and so we're like, well, we just don't, to get good sushi, we have to drive, you know, there was a sushi bar in Baton Rouge, but um, to get really good sushi, you had to go to New Orleans, and it's two hours away, oh, so yeah. we, we had to break that down for them, and they're like, wait a minute, it's like the, like the needle on the record, <laughs> you don't have, you can't get sushi in your own hometown. And they already thought that we took P-Rigs to, to, oh, yeah. to I mean, work as, and, and had alligators in our front yard. So now I have to admit to these people that, yes, we don't have a sushi bar. So that conversation just evolved to, well, 
why I think someone at the table said, well, you should open one if there isn't one. And then my brother Damien was, I think he was living at my, in Miami at the time on a, on a sailboat and uh, eating sushi all the time. And so I think it just, the subject just kind of continued to evolve. And so my sister Leah and I with our husbands said, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and try to do it. And then we'll get Damien on board because he, uh, he has this, this knowledge and he wanted to go to Sushi Academy. So he went to Sushi Academy in LA and it took us about two years of R and D from, from that first conversation to actually open in the doors and that's how it happened. So no, not alone, not by any stretch of the imagination. So this was about 2001. Uh-uh. The the New Year's Eve party was 1999. Oh, the big our one. Glasses all had 1999 on them. The I year of Y2K. Correct, correct. Wow. And so um, we were op- we were going into 99. So I think we opened in December of that year, or we opened in December of 2000. Okay, that's how I always remember the year we're in is the year how old tsunami's been. Ah, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, before we get too far with us talking about Tsunami and while we still have everybody holding on, I got to get my sponsors mentioned. We got to do that because that's what pays our bills and uh, helps promote businesses. Support for the podcast is brought to you by the Music Academy of Acadiana. Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college to compete in major music competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol and The Voice. They are founded by Tim Benson, who is a University of Louisiana at Lafayette Music School graduate. The Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the Best Music School by readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find out more at their website at www.musicacademyacadiana.com. You can also check out their Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for more information. Chase Group Construction is a general contractor and land developer that specializes in planning, design, and construction as a design-build company. They combine the cost awareness of a contractor who knows current market pricing of materials and labor with the design process of the architect in one company. Chase Group utilizes the latest advanced technology in GPS serving equipment, automated scheduling programs, and cloud-based project management software to ensure quality control and progress documentation. Chase Group goes beyond construction by leading traffic studies, soil reports, zoning requirements, environmental reports, and other feasibility studies to ensure a viable project from the beginning. Chase Group takes the lead and becomes your one point of contact for the entire design build process. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from medical to restaurant to multi-unit shopping center developments. Dream, design, develop, Chase Group Construction. 
You can check out their websites at chasegroupconstruction.com for more information. Okay, so sidebar: I saw their um, fat pats in Brobridge. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful Dude, building. They the, did a great job. The buildings are amazing. Brobridge looking. people, go there. Go, y'all, should get in your car right now and go to Fat Pats in Brobridge. And obviously, you've been to Fat Pats, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your favorite burger there? Do you I, have one? No, it's their wrap. They have a you wrap like, that I like. Yeah. You don't. You don't eat meat. Yeah, I do. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But you, what's what wrap is it? Um, it's like a chicken Caesar, maybe. Okay, yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't good. know what the name of it is. I like Caesar. Yeah. Um, and I just found out. I say I just found out probably within the past year and a half that Caesar has anchovy. I, I was like, that's uh, almost the the base. It's not Caesar right, without the anchovy, right? But I can't stand fishy stuff. And then I uh, come to love Caesar, and then I find out yeah. that it's anchovy based. I'm like. Yeah. I'm not going to stop eating it. No. I'm just going to... Look at you, know, you growing. Oh, Look stop. at you. I know, I know. Well, they say our palates um, uh, evolve every seven years, so maybe yeah. maybe now you should try some wow. fish stuff. Mm, <laughs> look, no. uh, I've uh, maybe... I like white, clean fish, like mahi-mahi. I'll, I'll okay. eat mahi-mahi. Okay. Or cod? Mm, no. Maybe. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, I am not that great of a haven't been sushi. to tsunami a whole lot ben. i've never <laughs> look i'm a, i'm slightly ashamed to say this but i've never been to tsunami well there needs to be an award i mean <laughs> literally you need to be crowned something i'm not sure what but that's it amazing. won't be a good crown that's, to... an, that's no it won't be very shiny but that's amazing um, they do, by the way they do have a lot of other food other okay than oh i'm sure yeah i'm sure <laughs> the pork cutlet's pretty freaking good well, so I think there was a time where we had made plans to go with a group of us. I don't know. I can't remember if it was work or family and something came up. And so I missed that kind of like opportunity. But like, I don't know. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to go and yeah. try one of the turf options. Yes. it's there. The chicken katsu, which is basically chicken strips, is yep. very popular. Adults get it all the time. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. All so right. Keep that in mind. You have other options. There you go. <laughs> um, all right. So talking about tsunami, okay, you've had it for, I think it was, is it close to 23 years now, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I sold it, so I don't have it anymore. Right, 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 right. <laughs> well, it's been in existence. Correct. There you go. And so you had it for 22 years. Um, what... What was it like having a business in downtown for that long, staying in business throughout the, I would guess, the renaissance mm-hmm. of the, 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 the revitalization of downtown? Like, what mm-hmm. was that like for your business? I mean, I think for a moment there, I know there was a few pockets of businesses, but for a moment, you were probably one of the only restaurants, I think maybe by, besides Subway, down there, right? Um, no, no, there were other ones. Um, I mean, I remember early. I know Dwyer's and yeah, Dwyer's was there. Chris's Po'boys was, I maybe still there when we opened. The bank was there when when we opened. Um, I know, I don't remember what year it was. One of the first couple of years, um, I partnered with the Russo Group, my friend Jackie Russo, and we did a downtown dining guide that we wanted to leave all around downtown and like hair salons and at the courthouse and things like that. And at the time, there were nineteen different 
places or restaurants that signed up to be to have a page in our little dining guide. So um, now there's 30. We don't do the dining guide anymore, but um, there's 30 or more places you can get something to eat downtown, which is mind blowing yeah. to me. Yeah. Mind blowing to me. But um, I don't remember. That was I, so long ago. You know, and I, I guess that was that was my bad to say that you were one of the only. I know there were others. No, Dwyer's has been there for years. Sure, uh, a lot longer than Tsunami, right? Yes. Yeah, so so gosh, they have yes. that mural. Um, and then it was um, the filling station that yeah. was there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just my. No, that's okay. I've I've I, I lived in Lafayette for twelve years, so like trying to paint the picture. So again, what was it like going through the different phases of downtown and seeing it change and grow to what it is? Today? It was amazing. It was amazing to be part of that revitalization and to to be part of the cool things going on, you know, to be part of what people were talking about and to be, it was, it was cool for me because I was working, but I was still being very social because it was such a social atmosphere down there um, from, you know, live music venues that were happening, shows that were happening, theaters that were having shows and, and people coming to eat and drink. So even though I was working, I still felt like I wasn't missing anything because I was still part of that environment, you know, and, and to watch it grow and to watch people um, want to be a part of it was also very amazing. So, um, Having gone through 22 years of seeing downtown kind of change and with the mm-hmm. restaurant being there, um, what is the what is something that you've noticed that may help businesses survive in downtown or like what is something that you would like tell people like how do you keep longevity as a business in downtown? Like is there something that you could put your finger on or is it just Gosh, kind I, of there isn't magic dust and there isn't a magic formula i can only speak to kind of what we were doing um i know that it's very important to have boots on the ground okay extremely important to show up every day press the flesh customer service you know get out there that's a big one. talk to tables what do you like what do you not like not take it personally um be able to bend and flex um, be innovative. Don't just stick to, well, this is what we do. This is all we're going to do. You know, um, it, I can, again, I can kind of only speak from a restaurant's perspective. So I don't know it, it, what a retail company would, would do for longevity or, um, or, or any other capacity, but, um, that's what, that's what we kept, you know, at one point they, one of our competitors, I didn't really feel that they were a competitor but they were a sushi bar they opened two doors down from us downtown i think i remember yeah that was it like 2010 2011 i don't remember the year but they opened and you know of course our staff were just like oh my god a sushi bar is opening two doors down and you know there was chatter and there was conversation so we had to have a, a you know a team meeting and say and literally we said this like put your blinders on you can't look left and right you're gonna you're gonna trip over something yep focus on your job focus on what we do best and that's all we're gonna that's all we're gonna do you know that's we we know what we're doing we've proven that we know what we're doing and we're good at what we're doing so let's just focus on that you lose you lose sight of what the goal is and what the focus is and it's the same thing in like anything you know athletic whenever you're trying to balance something you know they say to focus your eye and if you if you look one thing all of a sudden woo, you start yeah. to bobble and it's real it's a, it's true so that's what we did we just said don't worry about what's going on around you and don't talk about what's going on around you don't the other thing is you know 
talking smack about businesses and and what they're doing to customers and it just kind of it falls sour on me yeah you know what i that's that's something that i've learned um because <laughs> being young i i had a tendency to to say things especially even before developing lafayette um and i would catch myself being that young guy that needs to what are the, what are they what was it what's it called take a slice of humble pie correct i've been told that uh not with developing lafayette thankfully <laughs> um but when i first moved here in 2010 i got a job at a local printer and uh i, I think he's okay with me mentioning it obi hulance the owner i loved obi yeah. he was great Hilco printers he yeah. took a flyer on me um he spotted my work in the turkey creek area where i lived and uh, I guess there was a, it was a car show flyer and he's, he got it cause he's big into cars mm -hmm. and he invited me to come do a tour of his place. And I came with guns prepared to, to just not literal guns, but oh. like my, <laughs> my, my arsenal of portfolio and like stuff like that. So make, clarify. Look, cause uh, you were going for a job interview. Yes. Okay. I, I was in my mind, I was like, I'm getting a job mm -hmm. in his mind. He probably just thought it would be cool for me to see his shop. So I came prepared okay. to fire off a, a, hey, like I want a job offer. Okay. And I, I sat down, I showed him my portfolio and I said, are you guys hiring? Are you guys looking for a designer? And he looked at his office manager and was like, well, let's step out and chat real quick. Okay. And I, he came back and offered me a number and I was satisfied with wow. it. Wow. And so that right there was the moment that I knew that I would be living in Lafayette. I didn't have a place to live yet. Uh, I wasn't sure where I was going to live. I just, I moved, I, I moved here and I stayed with uh, some family members out in um, South Rain, South Crowley area. And uh, for two weeks until I got my first paycheck and then I got an, an apartment behind uh -huh. Lowe's off of uh, I-49. And so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the humble pie part comes in where I was working and I, I, I kind of forget what happened, but one of the office managers uh, said that you need to take a slice of humble pie. I said something as a young you guy. you braggy boy at work maybe, or something? You were maybe. talking smack about God. other printers or not, about other not, designers? Oh, you were you're talking about Cody Chamberlain? No, no. no look, <laughs> I, I don't know if I was talking about anything like that. I think I think it was just, I was 20, I think I was 24. Mm -hmm. I was still kind of, you know, that hothead, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I still had doses of that because I, I call myself a uh, a cowboy sometimes. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I'm familiar with how Lafayette yeah. is a small town with a big city feel. Yeah. The small town part where if you say something, somebody else is going to hear. Well, we shared customers. You know, at yes. the end of the day, we shared customers. And, you know, and we were neighbors. And um, th that's the other thing about downtown. We have this cool little ecosystem where we all help each other. I mean, we borrow liquor back and forth from each other. We... Uh, there's soft shell crabs. Hey, I need some, I need some the Ziploc bags. We're constantly, we keep, we all keep running tabs on what each other owes each other. And so that place was now part of our ecosystem. And, you know, we weren't going to be part, if anything was going to fail, it was not going to be because we did anything for it to fail. Right. Okay. So. That's, that's a sign of a good entrepreneur, a good business. Well, like thank you. Having the, the, the eye going forward, always looking ahead. Um, <clears throat> all right. So I want to go talk about our connection. Okay, okay. So this this may seem a little mundane after I reveal it, okay. but it's interesting because whenever I this 
it's happened to me and I'll get to it in just a second. I'm trying to just not reveal it yet. Okay. I was like, wow, this is, this is really cool to have ownership of this one particular item. And it was connection to you. Okay. So, okay. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm correct on this. Tell me uh, in 2008 ish to 2010, there was a real estate crash. No, 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 not that, not not that. Um, There was a particular, what what kind of car did you have for the restaurant? Did you have a car for the restaurant? (laughs) Yeah, we had vans. We had, uh, oh, well, we had an Element for uh, a Honda Element for a hot minute, but we had um, Honda Odyssey vans a lot. I think I had five through the course of. Did you ever, did you ever own a black vehicle? There was a black vehicle that I believe. You may have. Owned. I'm trying to think. They were all black. All okay. the vans were black. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Dodge come to mind. Um, Maybe a Dodge. Would you, do we have a Dodge Caravan? Dodge for a ca- Caliber come up. Oh, we did have a Caliber. Gosh. Um, yeah. I think Tune, one of my business partners, drove a Caliber. Do you have it now? Okay. So I'm going to pull up this photo here. <laughs> okay. And this is, this is the... If you can see it right there. Yeah. So that car, <clears throat> whenever I bought it, and I bought this car. This is my first car that I ever bought. Uh-huh. I was, it was in 2011. Okay. Like my own money. I, I had hand-me-downs <clears throat> up until that point. Uh, and I was coming out of a Chevy 1500, a 1993 or 94 Chevy 1500 uh-huh. with no AC. Oh. <clears throat> and... Um, it started giving me trouble cranking. And so I was looking and it was in the market for a car. Okay. And so uh, I had a certain budget and I saw, I was looking online and I saw this car, this Dodge Caliber was kind of like, a, there was a couple Dodge Calibers and this one was like kind of coming up to me and I went and looked at it, made an offer. They accepted it, got my note down and I got into the car. I had beautiful AC. The The salesperson, it was from Moss Motors, actually. Okay, yeah, because we probably uh, traded it in to get a van. <laughs> yeah. So um, the sales guy said that it was handled with kid gloves. Oh. So, and I didn't know, I didn't know who, know who owned it prior to that because they really, that information is usually not mm-hmm. disclosed. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my car and, you know, you what you do when you get into a car, you explore it. You look mm-hmm. at all the, the compartments. You found a bunch and, of little tiny tsunami pencils? N- <laughs> no, but I did find the uh, the old registration. Okay. And it had oh. Michelle Ezel, and I want to say maybe it had tsunami on it. And I'm like, well, who is that? But yeah. And I, I say, I think I know the restaurant tsunami. But so throughout the past decade, I've always said, you know what? That name sounds familiar. And then I've. I realized who you were after a couple of years, and I'm like, wow. We're closing the circle. On I, right I, here. I had her former car, yeah. and it was a great car. <laughs> and then somebody uh, sideswiped me, and oh. uh, that was it. It was Sorry. doomed. I was that hoping point. you wouldn't say that the Dodge Caliber hit you, and that was our connection. No, <laughs> like, no, no, no. I don't no, remember no. it being in a wreck. No, but, no. Yeah. I wasn't trying to uh, yeah. get well, Gordon good. get it done. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I just think that was an interesting thing that. There was this, there was, there was always this like connection that I had yeah, with you, touch point. It was, sure. which is weird. And then every time I would see your name, I'm like, I, that, th- uh-huh. that's the person. Like, yep. and I feel like, I felt like I was connected to you, but I was like, she has no clue who I am. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> now I do. Yeah. And so we, thanks um, for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. So I just thought it was really cool. Um, 
I the car, I, I guess, you know, since it was totaled, all the information, all the registration, I was like trying to figure out if I can look up the Carfax. Oh. And I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to try, but I still had this, the key. I kept the key. Uh-huh. Uh, it still has the tag from the dealership and everything. And oh. I thought it was really cool that um, it was my first car, yep. obviously. And then that's cool. Good memories. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Now I want to transition the conversation into real estate. Okay, what what in the world does a restaurant tour go from slinging sushi mm-hmm. to slinging property? Mm-hmm. Like, have you always been into real estate, or was this a I don't want to say midlife crisis, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> midlife nowadays is like sixty five. By right, the way, there you go. Um, you know. It kind of, so my mother-in-law has been a realtor for 26 years. Um, not here. She lives on, on, in 30A. So she's been a very successful realtor and uh, for 25 years. So I've watched her success and I've watched her uh, have her hands in some pretty amazing deals and not just amazing um, from a, from a, perspective of income but amazing from just beautiful properties you know to be able to be in all these properties all the time oh amazing and so I think that there was always a little bit of a seed there Um, and then we ourselves did a little bit of developing the tsunami owners my husband and my uh, sister and I because we owned our building and developed that and then we developed the property next door which was lounge for a hot minute until it became the lounge dining room for tsunami and then we did developed the um, Buchanan lofts, the eight lofts above uh, on on Buchanan Street and the three commercial spaces. And then we had the parking lot that we never really developed, but had a bunch of great development ideas that we just never pulled the trigger on. So I think real estate, even though I was in the restaurant industry, real estate was still, you know, something that uh, we had our hands in, in in developing. So when COVID, the OG COVID, in 2020, all three restaurants shut down. Tsunami Lafayette maybe shut down for a day, or maybe we just went straight to takeout. But the the, the downtime for Lafayette was very minimal, and they went straight to uh, to takeout. But Baton Rouge and New Orleans were were closed for months, and so there was this oh my God, what's about to happen? You know, for everybody, not yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, not yeah. just me. But so I started secretly just trying to think in, of a plan B because although Lafayette and Baton Rouge were debt-free, we still had employees that we wanted to pay. And New Orleans was not debt-free. It was only three years old. And so um, we were just, uh, you know, backpedaling. What are we going to do? What's a plan? What's a plan? What's a plan? And so my plan was I'm going to get my real estate license because a, I can do that online during COVID and B um, hoping we all came back online. I can still, we, the restaurants can still operate and I can back away, you know, remove my, the burden of me being paid by the restaurants, put that back into the business so we can keep our staff and I can do real estate because you're an independent contractor, basically, when you're when you're a realtor. So I could go to work for my good fit, good friend Jim, who I was in Leadership Lafayette 21, the best class ever, <laughs> with, and uh, and you know I knew that he would provide the the training and the resources, and I already knew him. I knew his culture; it was very similar to Tsunami's culture. And I said, "This is what I'm going to do." And then, uh, unbeknownst to me, I had no idea that there was going to be. Uh, in that like six month window that someone was going to reach out to me and, and have an interest in purchasing the restaurants. 
And so I kind of started that ball rolling with real estate as a backup plan. And then it's quickly kind of transitioned to a front front plan. Yeah. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. So, so it just kind of happened very naturally. Orga- very yeah. organically. Correct. Yeah. Very okay. organically. I know Lafayette, born and raised in Lafayette. I know the market. I know the neighborhoods. I, you know, we personally bought and sold probably 10 homes in this market. So I was very familiar with the process. Um, not that that makes somebody a good realtor, but, right. um, you know, it it was an easy transition to yeah. to come to this, to this, you know, new career. So are you primarily commercial or do you, you kind of hit on all, all fronts? I haven't closed my door on either one yet that I'm not going to do one or the other. So I've done both up to this point, okay. um, re- residential and, and commercial. Um, I'm, I'm really comfortable in both spaces because I've operated them. You know, like I said, I've bought and sold houses. I live in a house. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I, let's hope. I live in a house. So no, um, but uh, through, you know, my previous career, I was very comfortable and very secure in, you know, commercial sales as well as leasing and redeveloping. And um, so th- they're both a good fit right now until one of them kind of takes off more than the other. Yeah. What is your, so what is the passion behind, I guess, the real estate? Do you, do you derive passion from a certain aspect of real estate or is it just, do you like it in general? Like, when you get up in the morning, are you like what excites you about the real hot estate? sheet? The oh. hot sheet. I love to log into the hot sheet. Hot, that's look, things. So that tell have, us what uh, that the is. Hot sheet. Uh, that's things that have um, changed on MLS, the the listing service that realtors uh, subscribe to. So if something has gone active or gone pending or is announced coming soon, not quite active, yeah. um, that's where you see new stuff or old stuff that had something changed to it, a price change or things like that. So um, I, I like to strategize and I like to connect, always like to like Ben today, if you told me, um, I've been looking for this certain type of jacket that has this certain look and whatever, I would go, oh, I think I've seen that. Wait, I think I can, I think I know where the, where you can find that. It's at Gentry downtown. They, they have it and it's on sale now. So <laughs> Just strategizing and troubleshooting and navigating through somebody has a problem. How can I help fix it? I want to be part of that process. And it's been particularly fun with um, first time home buyers because of my experience just in life. Um, it's been fun to be a little bit of a teacher and a coach along the way for them as well. Yeah. Because it's extremely scary and daunt- it can be. It can be daunting and and scary, but then when you come down to it, I have to like rattle them and go, okay, hold on. Nothing's going to change. Are you paying rent somewhere right now? Yes. Well, you're going to continue to write a check to somebody, you know, but you're just going to be able to gain equity and then that house is going to be worth something and you're going to get something back. So I, I, I enjoy that. I enjoy the strategizing and the troubleshooting and the coaching and, and, you know, handholding a little bit, but also like seeking, you know, when someone like, these are the specific things. Sometimes it takes a while sometimes it's right there this is it this is the one you need and then if there's if it's more specific it's going to take a little bit more fishing you have to drop your your little fishing hook in different fishing holes to find the right one so 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 is it fair to say and i'm i'm I, i think i know the answer but do you have the the edge or do customers also have the ability to have an edge by using services like Zillow and Realtor, the apps? Like, 
No, I mean, they're fun to search on, but they're not going to be as accurate as a local realtor. Um, Their numbers aren't always, they don't know the market. They don't know the neighborhoods. So they're gathering some data from different services to give you, um, you know, their Zestimate or whatever. They're not always going to be accurate. Oh, yeah, that for sure is uh, not. Yeah, Yeah. but I mean, um, not... A local realtor is going to be able to keep their finger on the pulse a lot more. Also, sometimes things don't hit those sites for a while. They don't, they're not real time like our MLS, like local realtors. You know, like I said, I mentioned the hot sheet. We log on and we can see coming seeing. The other thing is a lot of uh, realtors, like we have meetings every Wednesday morning. We have sales meetings with um, all, most, if not all by Zoom, um, our realtors. And we share coming soon. Like this is what we're going to have coming on the market or this is going to have a price change. And so Zillow and realtor don't have that. Okay. So you want to, you you want to bring a, a local realtor into your into your little need because um, and they work for you. Yeah. I think people are scared. They just think, oh, I don't want a realtor. I don't want a realtor. It's like, why not? Yeah. <laughs> they work for you. They're yeah. gonna they're gonna look out for your best interest. They're gonna find you the best deal. They're gonna negotiate for you. They're gonna make sure everything's in compliance. They're gonna help you get the house inspected and make sure you're not buying something you shouldn't buy. I just I, it. It still baffles me. That's my whole. When people don't want a realtor, I think I'm just looking. Okay, let me look for you. I, I'm not saying you have to buy something to, this afternoon. We might not buy anything for ten months, but let me work for you. You go do your your job. Let me do my yeah. job. So did I just go on a rant? No, no, no. You're Sorry. good. You're you're totally <laughs> fine. You're totally fine. Uh, we got a quick comment. Um, so uh, Kelly. Menard says, proud of all the accomplishments that Michelle has done for herself and our city. Kelly's great. Awesome. Thanks for that comment. Um, So I'm going to go on the, I'll take a flyer here and say that you're against for sale by owner. Not really. No? Mm -mm. Okay. Um, Explain. I'm not, I mean, obviously we want all houses listed because it's easier for all realtors across our market to be able to find buyers and to help sell your house. But I met with a for sale by owner this week, actually. And no, um, I understand why people do for sale by owners, but we can still bring a buyer to a for sale by owner. Um, So it's... And you still take, there's still a commission... You there, negotiate correct. that with the yeah. owner of the home. Yeah. We're okay. like, let me do all the work. A lot of times what we find by the time, you know, like the person I met with this week, I'll call them and go, okay, first out the gate, I'm a realtor, but I want some information about your house. Cause if I have a buyer that's looking and we've seen 12 houses and yours is the right house, do you want me to bring you that buyer? You need to sell your house. I have a buyer. Exactly. Let's figure out how we're going to make this happen. But a lot of times, by the time we get to that, they're exhausted from oh, yeah. phone calls because every realtor is calling that for, for sale by owner <laughs> and everyone in the neighborhood's calling and they're having to show that house themselves and they're having to make sure they have all the right oh, documents in place. that just sounds frustrating already. I, I, so again, one week, I think usually if someone doing for sale by owner and they go, what did I sign up for? This mm-hmm. is too much. And then when the buyer starts, I was like, oh, I need to have an inspection done. And then uh, you have to discuss the inspection. And so it, it gets to, that's what realtors do. They take all that off of your table. They let you still run your house, run your, your, your job, go to lunch with your friends. Let me do all the hard lifting. Heavy People lifting. forget about the nuances of what it takes to buy and sell a house. We, and the legal. Yeah. When I took the, the real, ta- realtor, real estate course, I literally called some of my friends that were realtors and I said, 
couple things. Am I going to have my Juris Doctorate when this is over? Because all I'm doing is contract reading. All I'm doing is learning about compliance and contracts and um, the legal terminology and how you can get yourself in big trouble if you don't do the right thing or check the right box or or have the right document signed. I mean, that, that's what always scares me about for sale by owners is that they don't know the legal ramifications of selling a home and what could they can end up having to buy that home back or being sued because they misrepresented something in the home. There's just, there's too many, it's not worth it. You know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. So that's one of the things like, so going back to you mentioning first time home buyers, uh, I think everybody at some point is a first time home buyer. And like you said, it can be scary and daunting. Um, we were coming out of a an apartment. I think most people start off renting first, usually sure. going into a house. Um, and I think our rent, this was in 2014. We started kind of thinking, okay, we want to start looking for a house. And then in 2015, we got real serious about it. But we had to work on our credit. You mm-hmm. know, there's a lot of stuff that we had to yeah. figure out and bring our credit scores up because we were still in the in the eyes of credit history we were still green we were still new babies Mm -hmm. and so we had to work on that but we we saw our rent prices starting to go up and we were at the the apartment that we were at like i said behind lowe's on uh i-49 we were at a very great place that had great rent um and then it was like just under 800 Mm dollars for a two-bedroom and I said, I, 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 we, I, got, I think we got connected to with a real estate agent that was um, a new real estate agent that was in my church. And I said, hey, we want to buy a house. We just need to, we don't know what to do. We want to connect with you because you just became a real estate agent. Sure. I want to pass business to you. <clears throat> so he, he helped us and we also used all the apps to kind of, because sure. sometimes he would miss things, you mm-hmm. know, that happens. But we, we stumbled across this house that was brand new. A, I say brand new. It was brand new on the the market. It was right. built in like the past five years at that time, and so I said we want to go look at this house. It's it looks like it's in our budget, the price range, and we don't know the exact like mortgage rate yet or the like the price would be. But if it's close to what we're paying at the apartment, we're done. Like I want that equity. Sign you up, right? So we went and looked at it, and it was the the right house for us, and uh, we we. We had lost out on a couple of other houses because we weren't quick enough. Like, the, and now, the, the, like, I, I don't know about now, but like 2021, the market was even yeah, that crazier. Yeah, insane, sure. Like, you were either in line to see the house, mm-hmm. or if you were not the first person, like, the, an offer was already there. Like, right. within within hours, the house was already sold. Yeah. So this time, we were, we, were, we were trying to be proactive, and we were firing off offers as fast as we could on the houses that we liked. This one, we, we got it. Everything was working out. Um, it we did like find out that the house had flooded in 2012 in Karen Crow. Okay, um, but it was renovated. They didn't file an insurance claim because they didn't have flood insurance at the time. But it, they had renovated it and everything else, and we were good. The house was great. The neighborhood, and I won't I won't disclose the neighborhood because I don't want to mess anything nope. up. Keep for your anybody blinders else. on. Yes, <laughs> um, but the neighborhood was designed in a weird way where it holds water differently than other neighborhoods. Okay. Just leave it at that. Got it. And so every time it would rain pretty heavily, we would take on water. If that cool, there was a coolie that run by that coolie would dump into the neighborhood. Okay. And 
we would hold water. Everybody else would drain. The coolies would drain all their water. We still had a pond in front of our house. Mm -hmm. And I took so many pictures over the course of the, the five, almost six years that we lived there. I'm like, we got waterfront property. Only certain times of the year, though. Yeah. Usually May and August in that time. Um, and then, of course, in May 2016, they had a heavy rain system. We we almost flooded. We were about a centimeter away from the water getting into wow. the house. Yeah. We had no flood insurance. Uh, I was scared. Yes. So scared. Uh, Vanessa LaSala says, hey. <laughs> Um, she just commented. So <laughs> yeah, we were scared and I was literally on my knees praying that the water would stop, like it would just yeah, stop raining. It's a real thing. And I was using you a comforter. And thousands of others right? in 2016. Yeah. So that was in May and then the 2016 flood oh, was, that in, was August. in August. Yeah. So this, this was in May. The rain stopped. I was on my hands and knees praying to God to make the rain stop. It stopped. I was using a comforter at the door. The comforter was not going to do anything, but I, in my mind, that's right. I, I was trying to save my home. Right. And the rain stopped. It took about two days for the water to, to fully go down into the ditches. And then we were good. But I told my wife, I said, uh, I'm scared. Mm -hmm. I think we need flood insurance. And if this happens again, if it's if this could happen now, it could potentially right. happen again. Right. So we got flood insurance. It took 30 days for the flood insurance to activate. And then literally about two weeks before August, uh, was wow. it 13th or 16th? I can't remember. I, think it's, I don't remember the date. Yeah. But in mid-August, our insurance was activated and then august i think it was august 16th that the flood happened yeah. and we were covered yeah. but we stayed up all night as the rain kept coming down we watched the water rising and we we saw the water come into our house and as a new homeowner mm -hmm. at that time like that first time home it was the scariest thing national guard had to pull us out of our house oh my gosh, it was man. traumatic yeah that is um and we told mm -hmm. ourselves and that was we were a year into the house so we oh. we moved out and uh, after after five Six years. So we told ourselves after that flood, we're going to spend five years here and then we're going to leave. Yeah. And so we did that uh, and we sold our house in 2021. No, uh, technically we, we sold at the beginning of 2022, but we, we, all the offers were done in uh, 2021 and glad, I'm glad we waited the amount of time we did because uh, essentially I told my wife, I said, people are going to forget about the flooding mm -hmm. uh, over time. It'll be mm -hmm. a little. Like mm -hmm. it'll be yeah. less of an issue mm -hmm. and hopefully the drainage is fixed, but in that time span and thankfully the market was right. Mm -hmm. People were looking for homes and our neighborhood was relatively good. We hadn't had a big rainstorm and like every once in a while the, the, the water would get high, but it would go down. It felt pretty quickly. It would mm -hmm. go down. So I said, I think it's the right time to sell our house. And we were full disclosure. We told you know, all the people that came to look at the house, which was actually, we had four, five bookings and we only saw one couple and we told you them. You for sale by, by owner? No, 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 no. Uh, oh, I used, uh, actually, Key, Katie Real Estate, um, Tyler Albrecht. Oh. He reached Tyler's out. Tyler's okay. Uh, he's all right. He's yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but can you imagine doing that process no. without a no, professional? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 So Tyler reached out and we were about, we, my wife and I were looking to, to potentially put our house up that year, but we we just didn't really have the ball rolling just mm -hmm. yet. Mm -hmm. Tyler reached out at a, on a whim, just kind of I guess cold calling. Yeah, he says, "Hey, uh, Ben, do you would you like a market analysis on yeah. your house because the market was hot?" Mm -hmm. And I said, eh, "I mean, sure." He said, "So we scheduled a meeting." He came over. And we sat down, we looked at some numbers. He was telling me about all that key, uh, Katie real estate 
I see. I keep saying Katie. It's Katie. Okay. Katie. Um, Katie Couric. Katie yes. Perry. Katie. He was talking about all the benefits of uh, Katie Real Estate and all the good stuff and the sell through rate. He said we have like, yeah, like you we we could sell your house for like I want to say it was like six or nine percent over asking. Like we, yeah, there's a nine percent. <throat> there's an eighteen percent swing, either nine below or nine above. Yeah. And so you know we I, I think I don't have the flyer with me, but I could get the information to you. I think Katie Real Estate last year saved clients like something like six million dollars wow. or something like that or was it six hundred thousand maybe six hundred thousand yeah. dollars and you know being professionals and doing the market research and knowing what the um <clears throat> the the market could bear and knowing about the the neighborhoods yeah. so he told us how much we could potentially get for our house and blew my mind i was like there there's no way he goes oh no it's it, it's happening right now. I'm like, mm-hmm. what do you mean? So we paid uh, 137 for our house okay. in 2015, and in 2021, November October area, he said your house at the moment is valued at uh, I, I want to say it was 165. Yeah. I was like, that's that's a lot, mm-hmm. and we already had built up equity. So I'm like, so like, are you? He's our. I, I told him I said, are you? sure that we could get this he goes oh yeah I'm, I'm actually sure we can probably get more but let's start off here mm-hmm. i was like okay and so we we went ahead we did a coming soon so we had to get the house staged staging yeah. is important very important uh, and we made it look as pristine as possible almost we, like a hotel you exactly. almost have to make your house look like a hotel you don't want to make it look like your house you want them to see a house that, that could they be would, their yeah. house they want to see virtual virtual pictures of them they, yeah. they don't want to see your pictures right. you know so, so katie with all of the benefits that Katie has, and I'm not trying to sell Katie. They're not a sponsor. If they want to sponsor, <laughs> I if they if, if Jim wants to sponsor us, I know who can, who we can call. We do have some really, um, we have a lot of benefits yes. and perks to so being clients of ours. The, a stager was, uh, uh, the, the package had a stager. Right. They came over. It was like the basic package, but basically yeah. they just come in and give you pointers of what you need to do to prepare your mm-hmm. house. Items to buy mm-hmm. to make your house look nice, mm-hmm. and so we walked. Through, we walked through every room, and after that consultation, we went to we, we even Dollar Tree just bought like little mm-hmm. little staging things from there, and just like made our house look as if no one lived there, but somebody could live there. Yeah, that's the idea. It's hard to do that. Yeah. Because you have to really declutter. That's a big one. Well, that's also part of the moving process. You're going to pack up stuff anyway. If you put your house on the market, you're going to pack up at some point and move. So start packing up those personal items. You know, your kids' artwork. You don't need to leave that on the wall yeah. or on the refrigerator. Uh, all the all the pictures of your whole family over the past 10 years on the sideboard behind the couch. Yeah, start moving those off, you know. Yeah. Stacks of magazines that you're one day going to read. Put that in a box. Put it in storage or in a garage. So, yeah, you want to you kind of want to make it look like a hotel yeah and look we did and the the pictures came out beautiful they hired uh, a ph- photographer crew and i know the photographer crews they, they came over and we were chatting because they they are a film crew for our profiles for cox okay so they were great the pictures were amazing i yep. was like dude our house looks i want to buy my own house like it yeah. looked that good and so yeah we sold and we actually we had to get a new roof, so we we worked the agreement. And thankfully, with the real estate agent like Tyler and anybody else, they we we worked the deal out where we came up with half of the amount of the new roof. Mm-hmm. The sellers, uh, the buyers, mm-hmm. came in with the other half, 
And our they it was a first offer. They offered us full asking and paid closing. It was an amazing experience. I'm so glad to hear. Yes. And, and it, that's why I said went to high a professional realtor. Yeah. And it was just and even though it was still stressful on us in certain aspects, sure. it would have been so much different if we would have had to handle all that legal paperwork on our oh, own. I like, can't imagine those that those that do it. I know we're going on a real estate tangent here, but you know, it just okay. I had to I had to go there. I had to go there. I know it's almost like I set it up for you to talk about how <laughs> what a smooth process it could be. Yeah. And they're not all smooth. You're gonna have right. hiccups. And that's again why you want not just a realtor. You want the team that comes with the realtor because we have transaction coordinators that kind of keep the paperwork flowing oh, yeah. and keep the signatures going. Um, and like have- moving uh, people, like I, I say moving people, I'm talking about like people that when you move, they get your house connected, like all oh, yeah. the services connect- and all that. We have that. a yeah, connectivity connect- yeah. um, vendor that we use that helps do all those waiting. You know, you don't want to sit on the phone with LUS for, you know, three hours. We have things to do. You're yeah. trying to- so yeah, we, we you have access to that. You have access to our moving trailer, um, which is huge and... And um, what you just said something we were talking about the ease of connectivity. Oh, the the, the team, the the um, the brain knowledge of people in our office. Any little thing like this is a unique situation. To, to, to run down the hall to you know Ethan, our sales director, our um, our Jim, our broker, our the you know. 25 years worth of knowledge in that building that can go. I know exactly how to handle that for you. So yeah. it's um, that's you don't just hire a realtor, you're hiring a, a team of people yeah. that are going to help. We have great relationships with preferred lenders as well, mortgage brokers, which is also a scary thing, right? You're like, oh, I'm about to borrow money. And, you know, people don't realize when, when we talk to them about getting pre-approved, right? Like you need that pre-approval before you look at one house. Why are you going to waste anyone's time? Yeah. Your time or the realtor's time. Let's connect you with a preferred real, a preferred mortgage lender. You're going to answer all their questions, fill out the little application. It doesn't cost you anything. You're not committing to anything. You don't commit to anything until the day you close on that house. Right. That's when you commit. So that pre-approval is power. That is your power. When you're looking at how, like you said, um, when the market in 2021 was just like crazy and everybody was making offers, if you didn't have a pre-approval that said you have basically, it's a cash check, basically it's saying this mortgage company said, I can buy this house. Um, it's less risky for the seller. The seller's looking at all the offers going, well, this one has a pre-approval from a lender. These three don't. So they might not have the right. money. We have no idea. Guess who you're going to go with? Guess who's going to get the yeah. house? The one with the pre-approval. And if you're, go- if you're house shopping, you need it. Be pre-approved anyway. I mean, yeah. at some point, you're going to get pre-approved. Do it on the front end. And I feel like a good real estate agent probably would not want to take their clients into a house until the pre-approval happened. I've right. never had a real estate agent say, hey, we're, we're going to go look at the house. But yeah, even though you're not pre-approved, we're going to yeah. No, you don't Spend do that. all day Saturday right. showing you eight houses. <clears throat> and we have no idea what your budget is. Right, we have right. no idea if you can afford these houses. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, okay. So we're. I want to come to a close, but there's... There's a project that it was a uh, semi-announced, I guess, and I haven't posted about it yet. I'm gonna try to post it today. Um, the is it Ashby Crossing? Ashby Crossing. All right. Now you're talking my language. Downtown right. and real estate. There you go. I wanted to close and end the the podcast with a touch on that because it's a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a local lo- couple, a few local guys yeah. actually. Um, you got, uh, got, uh, Gus Resende, yeah, BJ Gus, Chris, yeah, and uh, Ryan Pecco, Brian. and John Peterson. Yeah. Yeah. See, you know, you have all the names right there. Uh, they're my boss right now. Exactly. So <laughs> that right there. So tell me about that development. What is set in stone? What is 
what is the outlook for that development at as it, at the moment? Because I know there's renderings and all that right. good stuff. So the very creative brain trust that has uh, bought the building um, years ago um, have they have an idea, obviously, of what what they'd like to see happen. Um, They'd like another restaurant. They'd like a nice restaurant. The space is big enough. It's about 6,000 square feet. The space is big enough to kind of subdivide, subdivide, Mm -hmm. right? Ideally, I think a counter service and a table service could both thrive in that space. Um, It's iconic, yeah. I mean, it's a legendary space. It, it the where it's located because it's a block off of Johnston and a block off of Jefferson. It's on the Mardi Gras parade route. It's a block away from a 500 car parking garage. Um it faces the the space um w- it used to be the entrance of the bar for Don's. That space faces Park Sans Souci, which is about to be under uh, development. You know, they're adding a park there, a, a park system. It is a park, but they are they have like eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars earmarked for, I think, ten different play sets maybe to really activate that yeah. park. Um, it's already activated with events and and festivals and music between Festival International Park and Park Sans Souci and all the other live music venues all over downtown. There's you know some fourteen hundred different chances to listen to something so you know in in their mind that's that corner is very activated they kind of move it so that it's more facing the frontage of the park you know don's was more um facing the johnston street corner that was kind of that what everybody knows and that's still going to be an activated corner as well but um in their rendering and in their idea which you know there's no bad ideas at the idea table um that space would be a uh, sit-down restaurant um, that has an open patio that yeah. is going to be on on that shoot on uh, Taylor and uh, facing the park. You know, be be part of that restaurant ecosystem downtown. And so it's it's ready. Yeah, there is someone that is very interested in the counter service. Okay, um, we don't have an LOI in place right now, but it's LOI letter of intent letter of for intent. those listening. And um, it's very it's very close, but you don't ever want to say anything until yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, until yeah. it's fully fleshed until out. Until it's inked out, yeah. Until it's inked, yeah. but um, it would be pretty. It's going to be pretty awesome if it if it does happen. Okay. So uh, come one, come all. Um, there's plenty of diners, plenty of mouths downtown that uh, that are. Available, you know, during the day, there's I think like 7,500 employees downtown. Um, in a one mile radius, there's 14,000 population. In a five mile radius, there's 24,000 population. Um, you know, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that the Performing Arts Center finds its place downtown. I know. I don't I have know. a lot of faith in some of the decision makers right now, but that's another podcast. That, that's been that's, that's another. another day. And podcast. I don't even I don't even know if that's my podcast. I would love. Oh, we to, can but. talk about it on your podcast. But anyway, that would be an amazing asset for downtown. Like yeah. most downtowns, uh, thriving downtowns around the country, they have a, a thriving yeah. um, performing arts center. But anyway, there's my plug for the performing arts center. <laughs> um, so Ashby Crossing, yeah. I th- and then the future development is, you know, once this is is inked and in development, is they are they want to develop um, some condos on the backside of it as well so five stories um i think 27 units uh, luxury is is the plan which you know i've i've opened four restaurants and built um retail and residential so i know the plan today doesn't always end up being the plan whenever you unlock the door day one and there's lots of iterations and value engineering along the way but either way it's it's going to end up being something fantastic these guys don't do anything bad 
I mean, I've, no, I've never met anything that they've done bad. I mean, know. Ryan Paco has Mid City Barbecue, yeah. and chops, he's about to have um, and adopted dog adopt brewery. Dog, yes, I mean, yeah, and, and Central he, Pizza, and yeah. they have Swamp Pop, and it, they're just they're really cool group yeah. of guys. And for those listening, Ryan, if you don't know, Ryan Paco was a very instrumental part in bringing Costco to town yeah. and that whole development there. So anytime you're frustrated with traffic, don't think about Ryan on that part, but <laughs> think about the, the fact that we're going to have a Dave and Buster soon. Top golf is in the talks Correct. there. We have Costco that drives, uh, draws a lot of traffic from outside into the city. And then, you know, we, the Chick-fil-A has got a brand new spot there that does not block traffic on a major roadway, mm-hmm. maybe inside the development, but right. not on a major roadway. Right. Like Viva the Waffle right, right there. Right, right. Pretty close. And so all the same connection of guys. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the team of Ashby Crossing is a very powerful one. Let's, it will. And it won't, be, um, it won't be done um, with, um, like, um, tin and press board. It's they have very good taste. They have a keen eye for um, what works and how to make things um, be really attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and this is something that could be even you know because we have Yard Goat coming, which is a group I believe out of New Orleans, yep. and so I'm thinking. That maybe it's not somebody local. It could be. I would yeah. love a local restaurant to, right. to do it, but it could be, you know, a big name out of New Orleans even. That's yeah, looking it to feels expand. like the, the trend is New Orleans companies are seeing Lafayette as a they viable are. expansion option. They absolutely are. Which and is weird because you would think that it would be people in Lafayette see New Orleans as right. a viable option because mm-hmm. that's what Tsunami did. Correct. And then, but now it's like, with the current state of everything that's happening Correct. in the bigger cities across the, across United, the States, United States, yeah. um, there are companies looking to find options outside right. of the city because of, you know, well, the condensity. Well, New Orleans is based on, is based on tourism, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah. a cool city. We all have stories and memories, mm-hmm. but it's, it's tourism driven. It really is. And so that just kind of, I mean, the brakes got put on big time since 2020 right and they're coming back um but it's the break stayed on for them longer than any place else in louisiana so it's just taken longer for them and so there's that i think that that's some of the reasons why maybe some uh into restaurants are, are looking around at like where else could we do something also lafayette's affordable yeah affordable living affordable construction prices affordable rent uh, you know it's a lot more i for know now. i know well for now <laughs> but i know this because i yeah. rented in new orleans you know both a residential, I had a loft in New Orleans as well as a, um, a restaurant in New Orleans. So I know I can compare the two. So I'm like, come on, New Orleans restaurants, yeah, come yeah. on down, come on down. Gosh, it's so exciting to see how Lafayette's changed since I moved here. And now it's only 12 years going on 13. It's just, um, it, I, I'm, I'm loving it. I know some people can't stand Certain aspects of the, the of, what, Lafayette? of Lafayette, yeah, like car the car washes. There's a lot of car washes, yeah. but it comes with the territory as the city grows. You're they have a need. Plus, you also got to think about traffic flow. Car washes. I mean, it you're you need a car mm-hmm. to get a car wash, mm-hmm. and if it's not on your route of commute, you and if it's not a good place to get in and out of, you're not going to go. Right. So, all these car washes, and the same thing with Mexican restaurants. I mean, access. <laughs> I mean, we have plenty of all this stuff but you when you pass by one of those locations most of them are busy mm-hmm. so you know what i say to people yeah. that i say all What's that, that? 
Do something. Yeah, do something. Stop I'll, sitting on the sidelines and complaining because there's car washes Michelle, and Michigan restaurants. Look, what's you're your singing, idea? What's your you're idea? Go to a bank. my praises here. Go to the bank. Get a loan. You have an idea. Bring some some people on the on board. Get get investors. If you have an idea that isn't Mexican restaurants and right. car washes, do it. Yeah. Don't. What is it? What is it? Don't come to me with the problem. Come to me with the resolution. Like, mm-hmm. what's what's your resolution? Do something. And my my the thing that gets under my skin and and it's not. It's their fault, but they don't realize it, so I don't hold it against them that bad. Is when people comment with a new business coming, and most of these are private businesses that were private money. Mm-hmm. And now, if it's a public situation, that's different. But they use the term "they." Why did they put this on this corner? Why couldn't they put on another corner? Like they, they, and they, they use the word "they" as is, yeah. as if there's this resident, like uh, commercial god or re- like right. real estate god that's just dragging and <laughs> right. dropping, like it's, like like Sim City, right? Like just dropping things, and it's not how it's happening. No, you have local people most of the time, local people scouting their businesses, or and if it's an outside company coming in, they're looking at the the best option with the lowest risk to make money. And people always say, well, the North side needs more. And I agree. The North side needs more. Do it. That's the thing. It it has to come from inside the community first. And I'm thankful that there's, there's several people in the North side area that are actively Mm -hmm. bringing businesses and opening businesses in that Mm -hmm. are helping the North side area become more vibrant. It's slower because to be fair, uh, with the past 12 years, a lot of the migration happened in the south side because mm-hmm. that's where money seems to be flowing. Even people on the north side, Karen Crow area, yeah. they were traveling to the south side for a while yeah. to spend money because the, Karen Crow didn't have much now. Karen Crow's growing. Mm-hmm. Youngsville's growing. So yep. we're starting to see less travel through. But still, um, you know, the money is flowing in the south side right now. And that's there were the big the big dollar real estate agent yep. and the, the real estate uh, property is. So... Um, but if yeah. you have an idea, talk to somebody, have coffee with somebody, go, I've been thinking about this. Or, or if you've, you know, everyone's traveled, everyone's used their passport or even just flown domestically. When you were somewhere and you saw a great idea, whether it was a restaurant or a retail concept or an exercise, you know, I know there's a, an Orange Theory opened here, right? I don't know if recently yeah, or, yeah, yeah, or if yeah, it's yeah. been open for a while, mm-hmm. but if you have an idea that's something different or if you've been exposed to something that you think is cool, have that conversation with people. Even if you don't do it, you might spark interest in someone else doing it or someone else might be thinking about doing it. Right. And then when you say it, they go, wait, I was thinking about that too. So it's all about the conversation, you know? Yeah. So we got to, um, uh, we're going to start closing for good now, but we do have a comment that came in and I'm, I, I was thinking about not showing it, but I'm going to show it because she comments and it is public. Okay. It's a situation okay. here. All right. So um, uh, Denise Arsenault says, stop approving car washes and Mexican restaurants is the solution. Well, I, I think I don't think they can do that. The city can't just not approve a concept because we have too many of them. I don't disagree that we have a lot of them. Um but also, if we have a lot of them and they're still open, that means people are going to people them. People are getting their two-for-one <laughs> margarita like, somewhere. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a weird it's a weird process. It's a weird yeah. thought, right? You're like, you think there's too many of them, but they're, they're not closing. You know, they're still operating. So, and you, you can't tell somebody they can't do it, in, unless it's out of zoning, right? You can't open this because it, zoning won't allow right, this right. to happen. So, so the zoning is heavy commercial. Sure, correct. they do you have can't. some rules they have to follow, but they can't just say, eh, we it's, have enough Mexican restaurants. And if, and if you're for free speech, then you hmm. should be for free enterprise. Yeah. And 
you as a as a entity as a uh, governmental entity you yeah. cannot i don't think that that's ethical to be able to say one business can come over the other correct like if everybody wants uh for example everybody wants trader joe's mm-hmm. well the city can't just hold a piece of property mm-hmm. vacant while all this other people are trying to look at it and say, oh, we're, we're holding out for right. Trader Joe's. We'll approve Trader Joe's. But, you know, for example, Superior right. Grill's coming. And that's, everybody's talking about that. If, if Superior Grill wanted that property, but it's too many Mexican restaurants, we can't. Right. We're not going to approve it. Yeah. That would be it. That'd be like almost kind of an, an infringement on free speech. Like, Correct. I want to put a business here. It's my money. Like, I right. want to buy the property. Like, yeah. why can't I? Oh, because we we just think we have too many. Yeah. So I, like I said, I don't disagree with them. I do think that we are, we are um, Mexican and car wash heavy. We are we Mexican are. and car wash rich in Lafayette. Exactly. But they're all, they're still open unless they're doing some crazy moving around of money to keep them open. You know what? But that's another we're podcast not, <laughs> too. We're not, we're not going to. Ozark t- stuff happening. But I mean, if they're, if they're opening, if they're open and participating in our yeah. commerce, they're yeah. paying sales taxes and property taxes and we're getting some benefit from that. You know, I don't love it, but it is. Yeah. It's there. But you know what? Um, at some point, you go get your car washed, unless mm-hmm. you're somebody who washes the car by hand or get it detailed. But I go to the car wash. I get my car wash. I like the way it looks, regardless if people think it's Scratch City or not. <laughs> Detailers will say, oh, you don't go there because it scratches your car. But I, I go there and my car looks fine. Yeah. Um, and I love Mexican. I love Mexican <laughs> food. I think... 90% of the people that live in Lafayette or in the south area of the United States love Mexican food. Whether it's authentic or not, Tex-Mex, whatever you want to call it, you still go. I'd be curious if, if we could have someone at UL do a, uh, a breakdown in their research department of restaurants and what, what you know, how many, how many burger joints we have, how many pizza joints we have, how many Mexican, how many Asian, you know, you, you could do everything, sushi, Chinese, whatever. And like, I'm curious. I, don't, yeah, like I have a, no idea. Like a breakdown. It seems like a lot, but I have no idea. Like a breakdown of yeah, statistics. How many steakhouses, and, yeah. you know, how many counter service versus table service. And then, I don't know. and then even go farther, the amount of taxes that they generate will kind of give you an idea of their sales volume. Mm-hmm. And so that would be interesting to, like to see. see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. This has been a, a fun podcast. I know there's uh, several other potential tangents that we could have gone on, but that those are for other days, other times. We'll just leave this at this because I was looking forward to meeting you and to telling you that, that about Yay. the connection. Um, I know you said you owned a lot of vehicles, but that's one I, I believe that the registration did say Michelle Ezell's because I, I remember yeah. that name. And um well, before we go, Ben, I do want to uh, thank you for having me, sure. one. But uh, thank you for doing this, just developing Lafayette. I know that that also, just like Tsunami, kind of happened organically. I don't think this was ever your vision when it started. No. And I no. think it's really cool. I mean, you know, it, I think it's people, especially in Lafayette, I said we like to, we're very friendly. We like to talk. We like to know what's going on. We like to have our hand in the bag. And so this helps people know what's going on. Yeah. You answer their questions when they drive by something and they see ground being broken. They're like, what's going on? Or they just go to Developing Lafayette to, yep. to get the tea on what's happening. <laughs> so thank you for doing that and, t- and you know, taking the risk because I think at some point, Maybe you transitioned to this being a full-time yeah. job oh, yeah. for you. So like, 2018. That's a big deal. So yeah. thanks for taking that risk, too, and having an idea and not just sitting on the sidelines. So congrats to you. Well, thank you for that. That's that's good to hear. Kind of like you said, uh, create a solution. And that the solution was I, I wanted to, as a new resident, I wanted to see 
a place where they list all the construction sites and I couldn't find it. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to make something that does it. I love it. Yeah. All right. Well, Michelle, it was great having you on. And our comment section is starting to get a little active, which is interesting. Towards, uh, they're uh, the mad end. about Mexican. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's not too, too bad. Uh, they're, they're talking about car washes and Mexican restaurants <laughs> now, but um, we appreciate the comments either way. And I appreciate you, Michelle. Uh, I hope you have a great day and a successful real estate career. And I Let look me forward- sell it. Let exactly. me sell it. And I look forward to seeing what happens with uh, Ashby Crossing. I'm going to post on it as great. it is at the moment. Just to kind of generate some buzz, but um, yeah, I'm there excited is about um, it. there is a west website Ash, ashbycrossingdowntown.com, and so a lot of the information is there. If anybody has anything, okay. any inquiries, um, but you can find me at Katie Real Estate. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram. Hunt me down if you have a question. If you want to look at it, I love showing it. So awesome, reach out. All right, well, Michelle, uh, great to have you, and uh, again, I look forward to talking to you in the future and seeing uh, what happens with uh, all your projects that you have coming up. Cheers to you. All right. Well, guys, that was that's it. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast and do check out our sponsors, the Music Academy of Acadiana and Chase Group Construction. And also, if you want to listen to the podcast uh, on audio format because you don't want to watch an hour and 15 minute long video, I understand. Um, we have audio formats, too. So on Spotify, uh, iTunes, all that good stuff. So check it out there. You can listen to your car or whatever you do. Either way, um, that's it. It's Friday. We're out. We're going to go try to grab lunch and um, yeah, enjoy the rest of our day. So, Michelle, thank you again. Bye.